Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Small Business Sessions powered by Zero. Today we are talking to a great company that I am seeing everywhere at the moment. I'm very delighted to welcome Adam Thompson from Rebel Kitchen. Welcome to you, Adam. Thank you. So first of all, tell us a little bit about Rebel Kitchen before we talk about how you've managed to go so mass market so quickly. <laughs> That's very kind. Rebel Kitchen is really a business that has a vision to redefine health first through food and business and then beyond and not in order but we saw out of the back of a charity that Ben and Tamara had or a foundation that there was a bit of a difference between the understanding of how we consume food and then the impact that it has on the environment. Global food production is a highly com complex system but actually the way that, that we're sort of losing biodiversity across land, sea, air and the pollution impact and then the human humanitarian perspective of it too of the, the lack of welfare for farmers and the decreasing amount of farmers in there was something that we wanted to try and combat. And so the, the, the idea first was for the brand. It wasn't actually for the products. So it was really about trying to create this beacon brand that would allow us to change and shift that system and stimulate more growth in that industry and move away from the complexity that we kind of have, which is also associated with the political influence of how it's becoming more and more driven by profit and we're losing that compassion and interconnectedness of all of us, the environment and, and everyone in the, in the kind of associated sectors around it. But under the brand of Rebel Kitchen, you definitely yeah. do have products we now. Do. So tell us, I guess, on the product side of things, tell us about the range. So we have kind of two families within the range. So we've got a family of plant-based milks. Uh, so we've got a one litre format, which launched last year, and that's the newest piece of innovation that we brought out. And that really aims to bridge the gap between uh, when you're moving away from dairy because you choose to or because you're slightly lactose intolerant and you're not quite sure what to go to in plant-based milks be it almonds, soya, hemp, coconut, etc, etc. And so that is designed to replicate the taste of milk and it looks like milk. So it's branded in skimmed, semi-skimmed and whole. And then under that, we've also got some ready-to-drink flavours in chocolate, chai, coffee, matcha and a kid's range that has banana, orange chocolate and a couple other flavours too. And then we've got our fresh kind of range, which is a premium artisanal coconut water that's HPP, so it's like just cracking a coconut water open on the beach Ooh. and drinking it very fresh, single source, and a yoghurt that also sits next to that, which is really interesting because that was a sustainability piece for us, which is really important to the whole vision of the, of the brand in a sense that we use the same coconut to make both products. So you extract the coconut water, you take the young green coconut meat, which is called buco out, we blend that with a couple of ingredients and there we have a zero waste loop to create two beautiful products on the market. Amazing. And how much do you think, and when I say I'm seeing you everywhere at yeah. the moment, I'm seeing you in our offices as our team continue to drink Rebel <laughs> Kitchen products. I'm seeing you on shelves in the major supermarkets. I'm seeing you all over the tube. Right. And maybe we'll kind of come on to that in terms of how you feel that's helped. But do you feel that people are buying the product because of the product, that it tastes good, or because of the values behind it? It's really hard to disseminate the actual answer to that. I think there's a crossover between both. Um, I think people, when they taste it, start to understand that healthy food doesn't have to be boring and bland and dusty, which is what it had been for a long, long time. And so that's the philosophy that we always try and bring new products to the market about is bold taste first. Um, but then I think being a, being a value-based business is really, really important to people now. I think the need for more and more transparency or the desire for more and more transparency and simplicity of understanding 
what is in my product and what is it doing and where is it coming from and do you care about the environment as much as I care about the environment is quite high on people's agenda. So what we try to do is go, it tastes great first and then, oh, it's organic. Oh, it's sustainably sourced. Oh, it doesn't have refined sugar, chemicals, emulsifiers, stabilizers in it too. So um, I think having that is actually a benefit because you're able to attack people from both sides. Absolutely. Lead with the taste, follow yeah. with the values. And you are stocked in lots of places at the moment. So mm. where did the first deal come from and how did that come about? The first big deal was actually Waitrose who took the kids um, products in the three packs into the ambient section, which uh, I think there's always an element of luck. And along the way, that was a big one for us because it was someone that believed in the vision of the brand more than necessarily what we had there and then. Uh, and that came really from attending uh, events, networking sessions, award ceremonies, uh, and trying to speak to people and share the goal and the the mission and the story about what we were trying to achieve rather than just knocking on someone's door and saying, hey, we've got a product that we want to sell too. Uh, and I think that's really important to anybody that's looking to set something up is it's very easy just to say hey i've got a me too product but don't forget about like the whole reason that you got to that place first because that's what people are really looking for otherwise there's nothing that separates you from a b or c next to you so tell the story as well and this is one thing we hear actually the exchange events where we connect small businesses with buyers from the big retailers yeah. this is exactly what we hear from the buyers tell us your story because then if we can share your authenticity with customers that's what brings customers into store and i know that your latest i suppose kind of stock acquisition is sainsbury's so brilliant yeah. to see that you're kind of now stopped there as well and i think some businesses think that getting the deal to be stocked almost kind of means, right, that's deal done. But of course, <laughs> once you're in, right. you've got to get customers to Just reach for your start. product, yeah, take absolutely. it off, say lovely things about it, come back in again, reach for that product again. So talk us through how once you've got the deal with Waitrose, now you're with Sainsbury's, what do you do kind of in-store, online to encourage people to go in to buy? Yeah, I think it's about having a really solid marketing mix and being upfront with uh, the retailer of choice that you're speaking to, to say what your plan is over 30, 60, 90 days being upfront and setting targets that are mutually achievable and not just some pie in the sky for the retailer to kind of be able to leave you against. I think it's really important to give consumers an opportunity to try it at as risk-free opportunity as, as they can. So if you can run a price promotion when you get going, then it just takes an element of choice away from people in terms of, am I going to spend that money for that or am I going to buy what I continue to buy? Anything that you can do to push awareness from a social media perspective usually helps because it's just about getting that visibility in front of people. I think one thing that we really learned early on also was making sure that the merchandising actually pulls through. So I heard somewhere recently when I was talking to somebody that it can take seven weeks from when a product's supposed to go on shelf to it actually being on shelf in all of the distribution points that it was meant to be. So if you can actually support by going in and checking and then reporting back, you're going to have a higher rate of sale from the get-go, which is going to help to your average rate of sale and so on and so on and so on. So the worst thing you want is to be directing a consumer to say, hey, great, we're in Sainsbury's, go find us. And, and it's not there. Like, <laughs> it's not. I just have this image now of you going into some <laughs> 400 odd Sainsbury's stores, going up to the aisle and checking, are we on shelf? Yeah. Um, and it sounds really simple, but it's often the important basics. Important to do. But, yeah. Absolutely. And um, the tube advertising program, mm. because I literally, I can't remember which station, but as I kind of came up the elevator, yeah. all I saw was Rebel Kitchen. Great. And I was like, wow. <laughs> 
what was the reasoning behind that? I would have thought, well, maybe you'll tell me, I would have thought that's quite a pricey thing to do. Did you say, let's make the investment because, again, it will raise awareness, people will go in store, will find us. So what was the thinking behind that? I mean, yeah, interesting. I thought so too, but what I wanted to do is always have an open mind to opportunities and to look at them and look at them on paper and, and compare them one against another. So we were looking at really how do we put some awareness out there in the stores that we're in, but some of those activities are just expensive. So if you want to get a gondola end space or a plinth or put a promotional barker, that can be really expensive too. So if you're to flip that into how do I generate awareness so that a consumer or a customer has seen me before they even get into store, then you start to look at other elements. And it's not quite as expensive as some of the big media that you might think, uh, be it TV or radio. Um, so then what we did was we spoke to a great guy um, who recommended that for what we were trying to tell him, we needed to find the places with the biggest dwell time. And that was the escalators. And so then we said, great, let's let's invest and see how that goes. And we worked on a commercial structure to incentivize our partners exterior to help us grow too. So it wasn't just a case of throwing some money at them and then seeing what happened so that they bought into the product and proposition as well. So we're hearing this much more that companies such as Exterior yeah. Media, JC Deco is another one, that they're taking some of the risk with the smaller businesses. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. whether you're kind of able to kind of say the details of that, but that's maybe based on if you can then track sales based on those ads, yeah. you'll kind of pay based on the sales that are coming through. Is that the kind of deal? Yeah, not in totality. You're still going to have to pay because they sure. have the space and, and the the work to do that costs them too. But you can split it a little bit to say, okay, if you're going to support me in being able to access that space at a price that is more achievable or reachable for me, and we achieve this, this and this, then we'll also give you a kickback or an override or however you want to structure the deal. Um, because those businesses are seeing that the future of the industry is also changing. And so they're looking to see, well, who's going to be big in the future and how can they maintain support and their business from it too. And I think from a small business perspective, you could say, well, it's kind of chicken or egg. But the whole reason that you, the, the whole premise behind um, selling your product is that people need to see it. And you need frequency of being seen too. Uh, I think now it takes about eight times of seeing something for you to recognise what it is. So with that campaign, it was designed to hit people 32, 32 times over uh, a four-week period. So. I love I love the fact that the dwell time is so long because that implies people are not walking yeah. upstairs. <laughs> Even if you're walking, they're quite long escalators. No, and it's funny, see they it. are, because I was going to say, I try and walk up and down all of them and I yeah. def definitely remember it, but I'm just wondering who are the ones who most need your milk? Well, it's funny because <laughs> the the, the, some of the team have been walking up and down escalators to get the pictures. <laughs> They've actually been walking more. <laughs> <laughs> They've become the fittest exactly. Rebel Kitchen team around. That counts through the roof. And I know that's very much a kind of a city thing because it's the tube, but of yeah. course being stocked in these retailers yeah. has helped you sell overseas. How much more has that been a challenge when it comes to shipping products to new countries, then getting, you know, different language? You're called Rebel Kitchen. How yeah. do you, un you know, help consumers understand that in a different kind of market? So what kind of, I guess, opportunities, but also challenges is that presented? Uh, yeah, like a few, but only more recently. So early on, it was it was almost like a test activity. So we would send products X works. So the responsibility would be on a distributor that we found in the country to pick it up and, and get it to market. And we'd support them with assets, mainly in English, but very simple assets. So there was a base level that people could pick up and understand. I think what resonates with most people is the 
connectedness of the name of Rebel Kitchen and then the logo of the heart and the wings. So even if they don't quite understand Rebel, they get the concept. Um, more and more now, as we're bringing products out, we are getting some people ask us for a bit more of a translation or there's obviously the wider conversation going on about milk and what can and can't be called milk in terms of like plant-based drinks and so on. So uh, we're seeing a, a little bit more, but I think any of those opportunities are good opportunities to be able to explain what you're doing because we're not against anyone or anything. We're just offering people an opportunity to integrate plant-based foods into their lifestyle should they choose to, which is why we'll never preach, we'll never say you must or this is better or that's better. We're just putting things out there for people to choose to interact with and to enjoy which yeah. you did for breakfast i know because you've told me already <laughs> and uh where do you see the future going so the next couple of years you're still mm. a relatively young company mm -hmm. you've achieved so much in kind of a short space of time do you see the future as international expansion do you see the future as you know selling more in the uk in terms of the supermarkets where's kind of your focus at the moment to say where do we want to take it well, obviously, we have to support all of the partners that we already have. It's not necessarily about taking on partners all around the world, but if there's an opportunity that's relevant and we can support them equally, then we will. Um, but core, the UK has to be the main priority. We've took we've taken time over the last couple of years to really put foundations in place and establish um, a solid supply chain, uh, an ethical way of being, and and also like a culture that allows people to take pressure away from the everyday and focus on the longer term objectives. So I would say that I really want to build out in the white space that I have. So distribution in Sainsbury's, we can go deeper uh, as one example. There's also a lot in other channels that we've not explored yet within convenience sector or some of the high street or speciality retailers that we can build out. And so as we layer on that and we get a, a more amplification, I think it will help with the rest of the territories that we play in. Fantastic. So I see you everywhere now. I expect to see you in even more places in the next couple of years. Adam Thompson, you've done a fantastic job to date and we look forward to watching your future progress as Rebel Kitchen continues to much. expand into the home and via the supermarket. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Emma. That was the Small Business Sessions from Enterprise Nation powered by Zero. Go to enterprisenation.com forward slash podcast to find out more. And big thanks to audio and podcast production service Podraffy for producing this show. See you next time.